Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hold that iPad. It's a big one, right? A lot of notes. Ant just said, who gave you that? Moses. <laughs> Came down the mountain with it. It's great to be here. It really is. <clears throat> and I love what Ant just said then a moment ago about, about our testimonies. You see, the reality of it is that all of our testimonies are the same if we're saved. Let me explain. <clears throat> the testimony is we are out of darkness into light. That's the testimony. We were once lost, now we are found. <clears throat> That's the testimony. The details are just the bits in the middle. Some of you may not have been a cocaine addict. Some of you may not have been an alcoholic. Some of you may not have been a self-harmer. Some of you may not have lived on and off the streets. Some of you may never have tried to take your own life, but I did and done all of them. But yet somehow in the craziness of the kingdom, our testimony is the same. I'm saved. That's it. I'm saved. Of course, that's not it. There's much more to it. But the reality of it is, my testimony is that I am out of the test in that and where if you're saved, you have a testimony. And I'm going to share of how God stepped in and transformed my life <clears throat> in a moment. But what I want, what I want to, I don't want to just come here to share my testimony as, though, as, as great as it is. I want to equip you in order to share your faith so that someone else may have a testimony. Okay, so I want to equip you and then share my testimony. I've been traveling a lot this year, okay? I, uh, I can remember two years ago when I stepped out into full-time ministry. I've been ministering for nine years. But I stepped out in January, in, uh, January 2000, November 2017, somewhere around there. And I can remember this first time getting on a plane to go and preach the gospel. And I th- honestly, I was like, I've made it international minister come on now like I got on a plane and it was glamorous it was glamorous and I like to the juicy free I'm going to preach and I'm walking through the juicy free I thought this is amazing like I'm not in my car and there's plastic bottles rolling around I'm getting on a plane to go and preach the gospel I think I was only going to Belgium or somewhere but hey ho I was getting on a plane and it was great and then you do it again and you do it again, and then one's get the, one gets delayed, and you do it again, you do it again. And by times you've done 50, 60 flights in a year, which I have, it loses its appeal. So my back got has kind of got a little bit maybe twisted. So I went to see a chiropractor. Only this week, it was this week, first time. And she said, well, what we'll do is we'll make a few adjustments We'll make a few adjustments, we'll realign you and you'll be able to walk straight. I thought, great, thank you, Lord. There's a sermon in this, right? We'll adjust you, we'll realign you and you'll be able to walk straight. And this is what I want to do. I want to just speak a few things that maybe 
we can just crack ourselves back into place, readjust ourselves so that we walk straight. <clears throat> I'm going to share some scripture. It's always good to get scripture into church, right? More importantly, get it into us. I want to share some scripture with you guys. And I believe that God will, will use us all mightily. Okay? So I go to this chiropractor and they start popping things, clicking my back and clicking my neck. Felt like it's honestly, when they clicked my neck, because the clicks were so close to the ears, I was like, oh my days. I thought everyone within a square mile heard it. It was so loud, but it probably wasn't. Jen was sitting next to me. She probably didn't even hear it, but to me, it was loud. It was like doors slamming. That's how loud it was. But God wants to readjust us at every given moment, realign us, keep us focused. See, one of the things the devil does is if the, if the devil has been disarmed, he has no power over us in Christ, Right? So if he can't, if, if he's been disarmed, he has no weapon of mass destruction. But what I say and what I believe he does have is weapons of little distraction. If he can bring distraction, he can bring destruction. If he can take your eye off the prize, off the goal, off the finished works of the cross, he can bring destruction. And I believe that God wants to remove distractions from us. Because if you're like me, you can get easily distracted. Easily. I don't believe God wants us to be distracted. So I'm going to read some scripture to you. And then I'm going to come back to my notes here, what I've been writing down. Okay, so I'm going to read from Acts 3. Those of you who are here were there this morning, you're gonna, you're, you must be thinking, oh my days, I want to listen to the same scripture, the same message again. Kind of, but not completely, okay? I don't think I've ever preached the same message the same twice. And I don't endeavor to, okay? Okay, so Acts 3 verses 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and jumping and praising God, they recognized him as the same man that used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I don't normally major on this specific verse, but I want to, and I feel like the Holy Spirit has prompted me to today. I've shared this scripture in this passage on numerous occasions and 
the four corners of the globe, but I've never focused on this specific verse in it, and it's this one. Let me go back to it. Just bear with me a sec, guys. Okay. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. That's the one I want to focus on for a moment. Peter and John were going to church. Okay. Let's bring it closer to home. Peter and John were going to Ivy Church, Didsbury. They were on their way to the house of God. Okay. They were on the way. And yet they see this man and they stop everything. And they approach him. They stop everything and approach him. This is what I want to touch on. This is what I want to press on, if I can. This is what I hope you glean from. <clears throat> Do you, like me, now is the disclaimer, occasionally, leave your house going to church not having enough time for God to move? Do you leave your house going to church? Did you leave your house today to come here without the time for God to break in and disturb your routine? Because we can't have God move because I leave my house at 10 to 10 to get to church for half 10. And if God moves, I'm going to be late. So we don't want that. We don't want God to disturb our journey, our routine. Well, maybe our back needs cracking. Maybe we need adjusting. Maybe we need realigning so that actually we are constantly looking and constantly available for God to move through us so that on our journey, on our drive or our walk to church, who knows that God could actually use us out there on the way to here? Like how amazing would that be that God actually used us outside? That actually we was disturbed by the presence of God so much that actually it's three in the afternoon, it's the time of prayer, but this man needs what we have. This is what I want to touch on. Do you, <clears throat> do you, I have these little time lapses in your life, i.e. the school run, i.e. your shopping trip, i.e. a meal out with friends where God dares and break in. How dare he break in on the school run? It's crazy enough without God wanting to actually use me. Do you understand what I mean? God, listen, move on Sunday within that hour and a half. Anything out of that? Whoa, you need to write me an email. I'll get me assistance on this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Peter and John were walking to the temple, three in the afternoon, and God just diverted them. Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The chapter before Acts 2, day of Pentecost. They were filled with the power and the presence and the compassion of the Lord. And it only takes a turn of a page, it only takes a different chapter when they are more than happy and more than willing for their routine to be disgruntled. To have their, dare I say their, no, I won't, I won't keep saying their back cracked because it actually hurts. 
you know, to have their routine disturbed. So listen, this is what I believe. <clears throat> if we are not seeing people come out of darkness into light, we need adjusting. Why? Because we are walking out of line and being distracted. People say, but I don't know what to say. Yay. I love it when people say that. I don't know what to say. I say, half the time, I don't. Most of the time, I don't. But Luke 12, 12 says this. Hey, don't you worry. Don't you worry if you don't know what to say. Holy Spirit says, because I'll speak for you. Now, most of the time when I speak, my mouth opens. I have an idea. It's going to revolutionize your life. You ready? I reckon we just open our mouths and see what God does. Like how crazy is that? Nine and a half years, nearly 10 years I've been preaching the gospel and it all boils down to that. This is it. This is the nugget I've got. Let's open our mouth and let's just imagine God come rushing out. Can you imagine how cool that would be? Do you know where I see God move the most? When I read the Bible on this massive iPad, do you know when I, where I see God move the most? Do you know where I see him move the most? Where his people move the most. God is a missional God. Things are on the go. Jesus said it a lot. I must go, I must go. God is a go. He's a going God. He's a coming, but he's a going. He's a missional God. Do you know why? God sent his son, missional. His son sent the Holy Spirit, missional. And the commission is now sending us. It's a go. It's a movement. It's a movement. And I'm quite happy because clearly you can see I don't really stand still. Like, I like this movement. I'm like, more Lord, we're here. I like moving. Just suits me down to the ground. I'm a mover. I was speaking once in a church. I think it was, it was abroad somewhere. And it was one of these really old ornate churches. And you know where like, there's a few steps going up into like this little cage, this little prison. And they shut the gate behind you and they put you in it. And that, I was like, Lord, have mercy on me. Don't put me in there. They never, they, they, they did this, but I was like, oh, I'd have felt like an eagle in a budgie cage trying to flap. But we are, we're like eagles, we're eagles. But don't let our minds put us in budgie cages because you'll get cramp and you won't flap and the world won't get to see is coasting in on the promises of God. We coast in on the promises of God. Yet I know there's things in your life that you need, that God needs to move, of course. There's things in my life that I want God to rip out of my life. But one thing I know, that the biggest mountain in mine and your way is probably me and you. We can speak to the mountains and they will move is another idea. You ready? Why don't tomorrow morning we speak to ourselves and tell ourselves to move? I'm telling you right now, I'm looking at a, at a gang of world changes. That's not something nice for me to say. It's not like, oh, I'll say this and I'll go and say to the next Lord and the next Lord. But like the reality of it is, we have resurrection power living in us, okay? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me and you. So I would say this, that we, 
are the people we've been waiting for. We're the people we've been waiting for. Us, right now. This is it. Look around. Hey, look around a moment. And this is the best God's got. Oh, we must be a big God. Look, I'm involved in it. Like, he looks at me and he says, I'm, I love you and I'm like, happy days. Like, this is it. Look around. Of course, I'm the rest of the part of the body of Christ. But this is it. This is his 18. This is the best he's got. Because the world are not telling people about Jesus. It's us, me and you. Me and you, bro. Me and you. I could see you saying, same me as well. I'm just kidding. Me and him. Me and him. We're the best he's got, me and you. Me and you. This is it. This is the best he's got. I have an idea. Why don't we tell people? I have a lot of ideas, have you noticed? I have another idea. Let's go vocal. Let's go public with this. The Great Commission is not to boldly go where you don't have to share your faith. That's not the Great Commission. To boldly go where you don't have to share your faith. I'll do anything. It's like a meatloaf song, isn't it? I'll do anything for God, but not that. I'll do anything for love, but not that. God, give us an opportunity, but not that one. God, give us another opportunity, not that one. I know that if you want to see people saved, open your mouth and I promise you God will move through you. Healing. I want to see people healed, okay? I want to see more people healed. And I'll read this out again. If we are not seeing the deaf hear, the blind see, and the lame walk, we need adjusting. Why? Because we're walking out of line and maybe being distracted. Delivered. If we're not seeing demons cast out, chains broken off, lives being set free, we need adjusting. Why? Because maybe we're walking out of line and we're distracted. I'm here to tell you that God is big enough. God is big enough. I'm here to tell you that your faith is big enough. Do you know why I know? Because I'm looking at a room full of believers. So, let's look at us all as a family. Let's just say someone in here has the least amount of faith. Let's say it's me. Actually, can I ask you a a legitimate question? Can any of you accurately tell me how much faith I have? No, you can't. You can't. I couldn't stand here and accurately tell you how much faith Aunt has or my wife or you. You've got a wonderful voice, by the way, bro. Sounds like Lewis Capaldi, doesn't he? Doesn't he? George Ezra. Oh, I'm sorry, George Ezra. He's great, isn't he? But can you actually tell me how much faith I have? Can you? I can't tell you how much faith you have. So, let's just presume that me, the guest speaker, okay, has the least amount of faith in this room. Let's say it's me. And if I pray for more faith Wouldn't that suggest that I have at least some faith? Because I'm praying in faith for more faith. 
It would suggest I have a certain level of faith in order to believe God for more. So let's just say I have the least amount. Well, I'm going to use it. I am operating with what I have. See, because the Bible tells me that if I have the least amount of faith, the smallest amount of faith in the world, me, in this room, that I, me, can move mountains. You can move mountains. So we will pray to God for more faith when actually the least amount can move mountains. I have an idea. Let's use what we have and let's see what happens. Let's use what we have. More often than not, we want to speak to the mountains when God's speaking to us. Every day when I look in the mirror, I brush my teeth. The thought crosses my mind and it's like, get out of your way today. I'm surprised I don't have web feet because every morning I cast myself into the sea. You are no good for you. Only the spirit man. This flesh can become a mountain and we can't see past it sometimes. So I'm telling you now that you have enough faith. You have enough faith. I sometimes believe that we're asking for more and God's saying, use what you have. Any of you have children? Hands up. Okay. Can you remember when your child was three, four, five? They still could could be... 25 and still doing the same thing, I don't know. However, can you remember when you would give your child their favorite meal? You would cook them their favorite meal, I don't know, whatever that would be. And you put it down. And before they've taken a mouthful, they're asking for more. I'm 42 next year and I'm probably still doing the same thing. But what I'm saying is, children are asking for more when they haven't even eaten and used what they have. And let me tell you why I believe God has not given us more. Because we're not eating and using what we have. You see, the God of Isaac and Jacob is a loving God. He's a responsible father. So he doesn't feed greed, but he will feed hunger. So when my daughter has eaten all of her food, I will give her more. But I wouldn't keep piling her plate up and watch it go to waste. So I'm like, I believe it's like one seed in, one seed out. If you keep sowing, God will keep giving. If you keep eating the bread of life, he'll keep showing up. But we're saying more, give, God give us more, Lord give us more, and he's like, you're just going to get indigestion. I want us to see God move on our way to church. Not just in church. You see, the Bible says go into all the world. It doesn't say to all the world to go into the church. Because if it did, I would question the leadership's faith in here. Let me tell you why. How on earth do they expect to get all of Manchester in this room? It's not going to happen. But all of this room can get to Manchester, right? Jesus wants to take you. He wants to use you. I promise you he does. I know he does. I know he does. But Jesus is saying to you and me, come, 
follow me. But more often than not, in our actions, not necessarily with our words, but actions can speak louder than words. Sometimes we, in our busyness and in our routine, we say, hey, Jesus, come, follow me. And then we wonder why we're not seeing what we read. Well, I'm telling you now that we can go into a season of walking on water. We can go into a season of a lamp on a stand. We can go into a season where we lift up his name and he will draw all men onto him. We can go into a season where we can see a harvest of souls like never before. I believe it. And he's going to use people like you and you and you and you and us. No one is excluded. We're all in. We're all at the table. Eat the bread of life. It'll never give you indigestion, just revelation. Keep eating it. Get it in. Get the word of God in. And it'll prompt you. And it'll may just break you back into line. So, here's Peter and John going to the temple three in the afternoon. And they see this man. And Peter and John are filled with the power of God and compassion. And they see him on the way to church. Can you believe that? They actually moved with God on the way to church. Crazy, right? They actually stopped and went, hey, let's speak to this man. Peter and John said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk, taking him by the right hand. They helped him and instantly, instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He stood up and he took off running. Can you imagine down there where we went for breakfast, bro? Remember? Beautiful. Can you imagine it being a Sunday morning? Can you imagine? And two of you guys were on your way here and there was a lame man, been there for 40 plus years. That's what it says in Acts 4. And you two, the two of you, you stop and you approach him. Because now you're filled with the compassion of God and not the sympathetic notions of the world. Sympathy, I actually, I, I just, it frustrates me that word. It does nothing, changes nothing. Sympathy can actually make the sympathetic one just have a bad day. Ever gone for a lovely meal and seen, seen a homeless man throw up in front of you? Well, that's going to ruin my meal. I wish I never saw that. That's what sympathy does. Sympathy can ruin your day. But compassion won't. Compassion, what I mean, godly compassion. Compassion will cause you to move in. Sympathy and compassion have two languages. Compassion, sympathy looks on and says, isn't that a shame? Compassion draws close and says, how can I help? So Peter and John going to church... They stop down the end of the road there. Just two guys like you. And they see this lame man and they pray for him. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. The man's feet and ankles became strong instantly. And he takes off running. Can you imagine it being this Sunday or Saturday, Tuesday, whenever? It'd be great if it was midweek, right? God moves midweek. Can you imagine it being on a Wednesday? Like slap bang in the middle of the week and God actually moved. Wednesday, it's going to be a Wednesday. Okay, it's a Wednesday. God, if God moves on a Wednesday, man, woohoo! 
Is it? God's going to move this Wednesday. Through Anthony. <laughs> we prophesy. Come. Every Wednesday, every day as off, Lord Jesus. But can you imagine? And then you two, whoever you are, come down here like, oh my days. And we've just prayed for some fella down the road here or some woman. And his ankles came strong. And you come in and you go, that's him. That's him. He's like, glory to God. Woohoo! Like just worshipping the Lord because you and me and on the Thursday, Anthony, on the Wednesday, we're going to get him. Okay, is actually worshipping the Lord, healed because we stepped out on our way to church. You see, the problem is we're so focused on where we're going, we become inactive where we are. Never lose this moment because this is the only one we've got, okay? Don't be so focused about the grass being greener on the other side. I've sounded really scouse in my own ears then. <laughs> the grass being greener on the other side. <laughs> Woohoo! Come on. Like, but listen, we can be so focused on where we're going and please do be focused. Keep our eyes single, our body will become light. Stay on the narrow path. Keep all this nonsense away. But we can be so focused focused on that Friday feeling that we forget to rejoice on Monday. Listen. In Christ, Monday morning in the office should have the Friday feeling. We shouldn't look like them. And I don't mean them as in like, them. I mean the lost. By the way, who are our brothers and sisters? You know that. They're not our brothers and sisters just when they come to Christ. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ then. I have a brother, biological. Oh, he's my brother. He's not saved. Bold boy, but he's my brother. It's the same God that knitted him together. It's the same God that knitted me. January 2010, I was eight stone. I was a mess. Eight stone? For those who like details, I'm 13 stone seven now. Or eight. Probably a little bit more after Christmas. Wouldn't mind being about 12 and a half, but that's besides the point. That's not, that's not in my notes, I'm diverse. <laughs> eight stone, eight stone. Cocaine addict, alcoholic, didn't know any of you crazy people. Any of you people that step out on a Wednesday or a Tuesday or a Sunday. Didn't know any of you. Didn't know anyone from Ivy Church. Didn't know anyone from any church, to be honest. I found it remarkable for 32 years of my life. No one told me about Jesus. I think there's two declarations over this nation. Two prophecies. And both of them are in the names. United Kingdom and Great Britain. One day. One day. And I'm believing for it that this nation will become great and this kingdom will become united. No one told me. Cocaine addict, alcoholic, self-harmer, living on and off the streets, an absolute mess, ruined everyone's life. I needed someone like you to tell me. Honestly, like, this is not preacher now, okay? This is, this is not preacher canon, okay? This is me. Okay, I needed your help. I needed you to tell me 
about Jesus. That's all that I needed. It was Luke 12, 12. Someone to open the mouth and not worry about it. And God come rushing out. I just needed it. That's all I needed. 32 years of my life, I never once rejected Jesus. How can I reject the person I didn't know exists? 32 years of my life, I don't believe I was ever an atheist. I just didn't know. But it wasn't as though like I'd been told and then I'm kind of working it out. Is he? Is he not? Is he real? Are they just weird? Let's go on a journey and, you know, and go and get bladdered in the local pub and call it ministry. I didn't go on that kind of stuff. I didn't know Jesus. It wasn't like I was on this journey, however I was, but not in any knowledge of he was real. January 2010, I moved into a rehab in Witness. <clears throat> this rehab was connected to a church that had anywhere between six and 700 people in it. Big church, right? That's a big church. That's like mega church for the UK, right? Like mega church. Six, 700 people. Do you know that church was four miles from my house? And I never bumped into one of them. Not one of them. Why am I saying this? Because this community should never have to step foot in this church to know what you're about. Oh, I want them to come in, by the way. I'm all for it. I get them all in. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying. Oh, get them all in. I want everyone to come in. But they shouldn't have to come in to find out what you're about. Although once they know what you're about, they should be coming in. Does that make sense? January 2010. January the 18th, I moved into a rehab. <clears throat> never been to church. It was a Christian rehab. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know that the tomb was empty. I had no idea. Didn't know any of you crazy people. <clears throat> I didn't know that I could say sorry to a loving father and he would accept me. I most certainly didn't know that people prayed in tongues. And I moved in. January the 18th, cocaine addict, alcoholic, self-harmer, full of scars. <clears throat> this was all before I met my wife. Because some of the women are like, I wonder how, she, how did she put up with all this? I, I was born again, then I met my wife in church. So I move in to this rehab. That person who I've just told you, I was him. That was on the 18th. On the 21st, three days later, I like the fact that it was three days later. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> I like the fact that I... I was there for three days. Oh, and I was in there for nine months and the prophets go crazy with that. Oh, it represents a birth. And I'm like, yes, it does. So I was in there for three days and a man told me about Jesus. He said, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus and I knew it was me. I felt something pulling me. Now I know it was someone. It was the comforter. I felt him pulling me. I said, Jesus, if you're real, if the audacity come as you are, if you're real, save me. And the hands of God, the hands of God, do you hear what I'm saying? They're coming. The hands of God touched me and purged nine years of addictions out of me instantly. 
Baptize, yeah, come on. Baptize me in the Holy Ghost and in fire and delivered me instantly from nine years of addictions and I started praying in tongues. I was like, I had no idea what was going on. What I do know is now, yeah, come on, fella, it was outrageous. It was crazy. What I do know was 9.15 a.m., I was a cocaine addict, an alcoholic, a self-harmer, tormented. 9.15 a.m. 9.16 a.m., man says someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus. 9.17 a.m., I had the mind of Christ, washed by the blood of Jesus. All addictions left me in a moment, and out of my mouth came something. A heavenly language, and I often say, and I shared it this morning, you don't have to pray in tongues to prove that you're saved. Like I've just spoke to a thousand Catholics in Toulon. Believe me. Because sometimes we have like this weird thing like Catholicism. They looked so Pentecostal they made me look Catholic. You work that out. I don't know. But what I mean by that is like that preconception we have they are on fire yeah. I'm telling you yeah. I'm telling you Catholic priests with 20,000 Instagram followers what's that all about <laughs> how does that work <laughs> how does that work you just don't expect it do you it's like yeah follow me on Instagram wee 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 it's like 115,000 followers <laughs> you're a priest mate God is moving. I will start to pray in this language and I say, I'm not trying to offend anyone when I say it, but I don't really care whether you think it's for today or not. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and started praying in tongues. I didn't imitate it, Aunt. I didn't, I, I hadn't been to church and heard someone put a little voice memo, took a back to rehab and like just, I'll, I'll learn this. The very first person I ever heard praying in tongues was me. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And I'm glad that probably all of you can only imagine. Can you imagine being a cocaine addict, an alcoholic, self-harmer, full of scars? All of a sudden, some crazy man says, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus. And I go, wait, that's me. Being filled with the Holy Ghost and the power and all of heaven lands inside me and out of my mouth came this language. Can you imagine? Can you imagine never reading a single scripture then being filled with the Holy Ghost and then reading it? Well, I don't have to. It's reality. I'm gonna finish with this because I am sweating. <laughs> you would think... You would think like, you know, he's, he's going to land this like some sort of like holy super, like I'm just boiling hot. I need, I need to wrap this up. <laughs> Honestly. Like, this is the reality of it. It was someone like you that told me about Jesus. I hated being an alcoholic. I hated being a self-harmer. I hated being lost. Do you know I was earning anywhere between 12,000 and 15,000 a month 
before it all went squarely. I was, I was doing well, as the world would see, but I was empty and broken. And it was someone just like you. Someone just like you who led me to Jesus. Please, if you can hear my heart's cry, don't be silent. Be vocal. Go public. Tell people about Jesus. God wants to move through you. I'm telling you. Don't disqualify yourself. It's just someone like you. And my life's never been the same. Never been the same. And I get to just share what God's done in my life. And it's real to me. It's as real as I'm speaking to you now. Jesus is as real to me as, as you are. Can I encourage you to spend more time with him? Because sometimes we're trying to take people to a place we haven't been ourselves for a long time. And the roots changed. Jesus set me free. Can we have the worship band up? Can we have George Ezra back up? <laughs> You're amazing, mate. You're coming to bed with me tonight, by the way. We're all recorded, yeah? <clears throat> so to speak. <clears throat> Glad I said the last bit. Okay. <clears throat> Listen. I hope what I've said has encouraged you. We're family, right? We're in this together. Clearly, you're looking at me and you're going, well, he isn't that polished. He isn't the most professional of eloquent speakers. No, I'm not. But I speak, and I speak about him, and he's the one who sets people free. Can we stand to our feet? I think we have a lot to thank the Lord for. But when we worship him right now, you remember when I said, <clears throat> too often we can look too far ahead, and please do look ahead, okay? There's a great big God out there. There's a great big God in here. Please, don't narrow your thinking or narrow your vision. Have big vision, look out. But remember, just who you are in the moment in him remember who you are in the moment with him step out on your way to church 
in church. Step out. You could be that person that sees the lame man come running into church, worshiping the one true God, healed and delivered because you stopped and you told him or her about him, about Jesus. Bless you guys. Amen. Let's just thank Andrew. Just before we sing, just before we sing our worship, I want to encourage you to do something. If, if you have Jesus, you know, Peter said, we haven't got silver, we haven't got gold, but I've got Jesus. And I want to, I want to give him to you. So if you've got Jesus, just as kind of practice for out there in the week, you might have the opportunity and it's going to need you to be courageous before we sing our worship together and, and sing about Jesus and sing to Jesus I want you to be brave enough just to turn to the person next to you and if you love him and if you know him and if you've got hope because of Jesus if he's met you and transformed your life in any way just for a minute just turn to that person next to you whoever it is you might know him or not and just say do you know what I love him I love, I love Jesus and he's changed my life and he's made a difference and just for a minute if you can get used to letting those kind of words come out of your mouth here then when you find that person in the week who's looking for hope and looking for an answer or whatever then um, you know Jesus might just arrange some appointments this week as a result of that and, he, and so I love that when he said about you know actually we get opening our mouths a little bit more that's how you know oh I can't speak well, you do it by opening your mouth so just for a moment before we sing our worship just as a as our own testimonies just turn to somebody and just say and say if you do, if you haven't got that yet and you don't know jesus you know that's that's cool but if you have just tell somebody just for a moment that you love him thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org media